Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An ordained minister has decided to give up God for a year. How the heck do you just up and become atheist after being a pastor what i'm most worried about right now is figuring out how i can live openly and honestly i am finally free to be me i have no idea how to find friends or become a part of a community that's not religious what does life look like after church after religion after god that's you know that's that's it in a nutshell this is the life after god podcast a conversation on the space between belief and unbelief and beyond with your host, Ryan Bell. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life After God podcast. My name is Ryan Bell, and I'm your host. This is episode 94. Today, I'm speaking with Margaret Downey and Victoria De La Torre. Victoria lives in San Diego, California, and is a co-creator of the Secular Day of the Dead. Margaret Downey is the founder and president of Free Thought Society, and is bi-coastal. She lives both in Philadelphia and here in Southern California, and is also a co-creator with Victoria of the Secular Day of the Dead. This year, as every year, Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, is celebrated on November the 1st. And due to the pandemic, the, this year the International Day of the Dead will be held on Zoom with a very vibrant schedule and amazing um, events lined up. You can learn all about it at the Free Thought Society website, ftsociety.org. For the next few minutes, we're going to talk about the origins of Day of the Dead, how this idea to secularize the event and create it as an event for the secular community came about, and what we, as especially as Americans, can learn from this Mexican holiday and um, that's celebrated across the um, Hispanic world. As I mentioned in the interview, I don't have an extensive experience with Dia de los Muertos, although since I've lived here in Los Angeles, I have several times attended the celebration at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is really fantastic. And if you live in the vicinity of Los Angeles, or even if you don't, it's worth um, checking out and, and participating in. You can... Um, Learn more about that just by Googling Day of the Dead Hollywood, and you'll, uh, you'll find all the information about it. But we want to tell you about Secular Day of the Dead. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Victoria De La Torre and Margaret Downey. Margaret Downey and Victoria De La Torre, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Hello, Ryan. We're so thrilled to be with you today. This is great. Um, as with almost all of my uh, episodes, it, it takes a little back and forth before we end up uh, actually recording. And so this is something we've chatted about for, for a little while now. But I'm really excited to hear uh, the story of how Secular Day of the Dead came to be and also to get into a little bit of background about um, the the tradition and the celebration of Dia de los Muertos as a cultural practice and, and how our listeners can engage with it and what it means. So 
I guess the best place to start is just at the beginning. Um, where did Secular Day of the Dead come from? Well, I can give you a bit of history. Um, the Dia de los Muertos is a very special event to honor and celebrate the lives of our dead loved ones. Uh, Dia de los Muertos celebrations uh, originated from the ancient traditions of the uh, Mesoamericas, like pre-Columbian cultures mm. dating back approximately 3,000 years. Wow. And these traditions endured in uh, Aztec culture from the 14th century until the 16th century. But back then, it was a a month-long celebration. Um, When Spanish colonialism happened and Christian influence occurred, it was transformed from a lengthy celebration into a much shorter three-day event. And that mm-hmm. coincides with the Catholic Church's All Saints Day, uh, which uh, Victoria is very familiar with. Yeah, so basically you have those three days. Um, you have All Hallows' Eve, which we've turned into Halloween. You have All Saints Day, which is November 1st, and then All Souls' Day, which is everybody else besides the saints, um, November 2nd. Hmm. So what the Catholic Church did, just like, you know, with many holidays, they kind of changed it. Um to, you know, fit their values. And we have All Souls Day, which is Dia de los Muertos, which is celebrating um, everyone who has um, who has died. Yeah, I mean, the same thing happened in the Christian calendar with a, you know, a holiday like Easter or even Christmas, mm-hmm. where Christians came right. and, and sort of Christianized it and sort of colonized it exactly and um, made it, uh, connected it somehow to the Christian religion and that's how people remember it today. And so I think if you ask the average white person on the street or or maybe just the average like non-Latino on the street, you would probably hear them say, oh, it's a Catholic thing. Yes, and, and it's now evolving to an even higher standard, we think, because it's now become a very secular event. <laughs> Where how do you trace the secularization of it? Uh, or like maybe it's the re... Well, would you say re-secularization or was it kind of a spiritual thing in the beginning, I suppose, with um, people trying to figure out, um, you know, the unknown? I mean, a lot of rituals uh, originate in in um, ancient times around the unknown and trying to sort of figure out why the world is the way it is. Is there a kind of a spiritual connotation to the ancient practice of Dia de los Muertos or, or was it sort of a secular thing in the very beginning? Yeah, I think with, like, many things in Hispanic culture, there is that indigenous root that always persists. Um, you know, within our indigenous roots, we have, like, the supernatural. So I wouldn't and I wouldn't necessarily say it's religious because it's not tied to any um, specific modern religion like Christianity or that we have in Catholicism. But we do have a lot of um, indigenous roots that are in the Little Muertos. Hmm. So I think in that respect, there is... Um, but I mean, the I'm sorry, the, the supernatural aspect of it, of your your dead ones coming back to visit you, the spirits coming back to visit you. Um, of course, as secular as a secular community, we kind of abandoned that. Um, but I think there is still a lot to be done, um, you know, as an atheist for the other look more folks. So, where does the secularization of this begin? Um, I mean, in my opinion, it's the most important holiday. Um, especially as an atheist. I think as a secular community, we're always placing emphasis on this one life that we have and to make the most of it. And to me, there's no better time to emphasize that than on the other los muertos. And I think that's what makes it easier to secular to secularize. 
Um, I mean, I've had conversations in and out with people of faith who have attended our events. And the common ground that we do share is that at the minimum, we can celebrate and honor what that person has done in their lifetime. Mm. Of course, the only difference comes into play when we talk about what happens to that person after they die. You know, for them, it might be immortality or an afterlife or a heaven. But for us and for a lot of atheists, I think so your legacy is your immortality. Right. You know, what you do in this one life, that is your legacy. And that's mm. what makes you live on forever. Wow, that makes so much sense. I think it's that's so meaningful. It is a celebration of life, not necessarily death, right. because we, when we talk about our dead loved ones, we talk about their life. We don't talk about their death. Hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I think you would find it very interesting to know how Victoria and I came about to uh, discuss this and create this secularization. Uh, I met Victoria at a conference, and um, I was very impressed with her and asked her if she would like a mentor. And she said yes. So I invited her to spend a weekend with me at our condominium in Newport Beach. And uh, from day one, we started practicing, uh, you know, speech techniques, media training. uh, And then we got around to talking about um, how to have something very special uh, related to what we do. Hmm. And uh, that's when we realized that uh, both of us are Hispanic. A lot of people in our community don't know that my mother is Puerto Rican. And I was married to um, Christopher Ortega for several years. Uh, That's uh, a Mexican family that I was close to when I was very young. And uh, I learned a lot about the secular, I mean, the Day of the Dead. And so talking to Victoria about this, we realized we had something really solid to work on together. Yeah, you know, my experience as a person from uh, of European heritage, my, you know, immigrant uh, family came over generations ago, probably it was my great, great grandparents, I think, who migrated to the Great Plains and the Midwest of America to be farmers. Um, and so I grew up white as can be in middle America. And it was only much later in life that I even encountered um, Dia de los Muertos. Growing up as a Christian, Halloween was forbidden. I was in a very conservative family. And, you know, we were fed the typical lie that Halloween is Satan's birthday or something like that, or like Satan's (laughs) holiday and that the occult, you know, all the, you know, America and probably the whole world, but at least America's fascination with the occult movies like Poltergeist and, um, you know, scary movies about the supernatural and spirits and the dead visiting in a very scary way. So for me, thinking about the dead visiting me is kind of a terrifying idea, right? But but you're saying that in a Mexican culture, that's a welcome idea, you know, for your loved ones to visit you, even though we're, I'm not talking about literally, right? Because we, you and I don't believe, you know, the three of us don't believe that the dead actually visit us. But the concept, the idea, they visit us in our memories, right? They visit us in the heritage, like the legacy that you talked about a minute ago. Correct. So that I, I think that's interesting. And I think Americans fear death and i guess we all do but the the american culture whatever that is seems to really like to avoid thinking about death altogether 
Is that something um, either of you have noticed having like this um, Hispanic Latino background and then obviously being immersed in American culture? How would you describe that that distinction if, if you see one at all? Yeah, definitely, Ryan. I think there there is a, you know, a huge, huge contrast. I think for Dia de los Muertos, it's a celebration, um, you know, not so much a mourning of death and a grief of death. I think here in the U.S., uh, funerals and grieving and death, that's kind of reserved for adults, right? Mm. We want to sugarcoat, we want to sugarcoat it for kids or tell them that, you know, their loved ones are in heaven or, you know, just that they're, they've gone away. We kind of want to sugarcoat it and, and put it under the rug. But for Dia de los Muertos and for, you know, different Hispanic communities, it's kind of encouraged for children to participate. You know, we have vibrant colors. It's more of a celebration. It's a, you know, huge party. And I, I think that is a huge difference. And I think children do pick up on that. It, it also gives people a reason to appreciate their one and only life. Mm. When you accept the fact mm-hmm. that death is a natural process in life, you can appreciate the everyday occurrences, you, the appreciation of food, the appreciation of, of beverages, the appreciation of friends. When you're celebrating together as a community, it reinforces that your life is very valuable and very full if you fill those those days with, with these beautiful things that we celebrate on the secular day of the dead. It seems that this um, approach to, to death really did impact at least parts of the Catholic Church. I remember when I was a student missionary in the Philippines, um, it was the first time I had encountered a wake um, and, you know, it was an all night party. And I'd always thought of, you know, funerals as these somber, sad, um, very morose events. And of course it is sad because we miss the person who's departed, but I'd never seen people truly throw a party for this person who, who was no longer with them um, and it just, if, at first it just seems so weird. It was so out of my normal understanding, but as, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, uh, I've really come to, to appreciate that. And Ryan, different cultures have different ways of doing the same thing that we're talking about. In the Jewish culture, there's some a, a ceremony of some sort where they light a candle mm-hmm. for the memory of a person, and they, they, they have that candle on for 24 hours. Uh, in the German culture, there's a, a, the same type of thing, but with um, memories, you know, a party and, and memories of the person that you're honoring. Uh, my my dance instructor is Russian, and he was telling me that in his culture, they have something called Grandparents' Day hmm. and Great Grandparents' Day, where they they celebrate with the people that are still alive and the people that are are dead or remembered and honored for the entire day. So this is a cross culture need. And, and human beings being social animals and having rituals, all of these are associated with community and, and celebration of life. Yeah, I think it's so healthy. I mean, I was just listening to you, both of you, and thinking that we don't even like to say that someone died. We, we say they passed away or they, <laughs> they passed mm-hmm. on. Right. or Like, it sounds so clinical to say, oh, my dad died. 
ugh, like, oh, you know, he passed away. Um, and we, there's just a lot of, um, and again, you, like you say, it's a cultural thing, and it varies from person to person. Um, and I'm just also reflecting, really, for the first time, on the fact that um, my, my partner's father passed away a couple of years ago, and it was not um, predicted. It was, uh, he got sick and died, and it was quite surprising to everyone. And so it was, you know, needless to say, very tra- tragic and, and very sad. And, and um, you know, my girlfriend still has a lot of presence. Like the sadness is very present for her still. But every year um, on his birthday or on the day that he died, we do something to remember him. We, um, like we, he was a big music buff and he played guitar and he was a huge fan of classic rock and, and um, folk music and some country music so we try to find brooke tries to find a um a concert that's happening either at the hollywood bowl or the greek theater or one of our Mm. venues around here and we'll Mm -hmm. yeah we'll go hear a musician that we think he would like or one that was a favorite of his if it happens to work out um and we just do that for him and for our memory of him and um and then one year we went to eat Cajun food because he really liked Cajun food. Um, <laughs> you know, we're like, it's his birthday. We're going to go have Cajun food. So it was, um, you know, we do these things, I suppose, even if there isn't an entire culture supporting us in, as we do it. Um, hopefully people feel uh, or who are listening right now can reflect and say, oh, yeah, I've done that. Or, or, or that's something I'd like to do to keep alive the memory. I think in the beginning when we lose someone, it's so painful and then as the pain fades a little bit, we can experience more of those happy uh, memories. Right, definitely. And that's what we're doing uh, on the, the Secular Day of the Dead is during our program, we are going to have a section designated for uh, honoring people. It's going to start off uh, with some superstars that are going to be honoring their dead loved ones. We, we have uh, actor John Huertos, who uh, is honoring his grandparents. We have um, Sasha Sagan, who's oh, nice. honoring her father. Uh, a sculptor, uh, Zenos Fudakis, honoring his brother, who was his mentor. And um, John Davidson, he's a, a Hollywood legend and Broadway musical star. He's honoring his brother. Hmm. Then uh, Fernando Alcantar. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's, he's honoring uh, members, uh, his, his uh, grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to open that particular part of the program for open mic. And already we have many people making a reservation to guarantee that there will be time for them to speak during that period. Hmm. Uh, Debbie Allen will be talking. Um, uh, she's honoring uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, nice. And yeah, and then several other people have contacted us and made a reservation. The, the people who want to do this can send an email to Secular Day of the Dead at ftsociety.org. That's great. And it strikes me, I want to ask you in a minute about how you did this pre-COVID, because obviously this is going to be on Zoom uh, or some similar um, platform. Um, And it seems so pertinent this year. We've lost now over 215,000 Americans or people living in America um, 
in the last several months due to COVID-19. And I mean, what an experience of, of death we've had this year. Yes. And one of the people who uh, has registered uh, for a space, his sister died of COVID. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that is on people's minds um, so poignantly right now. Just the few stories that the media has covered here and there, um, some of the deeper dives into families that have lost loved ones have just been heartbreaking and um, sadly preventable, I think, in many cases. But uh, there we are. Plus, a lot of people have not been able to actually be with their loved one when COVID um, takes their life. That's right. Yeah. yeah, So this is a closure exercise for Mm. many people. And that's what we look upon this as um, the very first secular day of the dead that Victoria and I hosted. I was able to find closure in talking about my Auntie Conchita, Hmm. who um, died, and I was not able to see her, and I was not invited to the funeral. Um, they, uh, They said, because I'm atheist that they were afraid that um, seeing her on her deathbed would be dangerous to her. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, it might jeopardize her salvation or something. Yes, yes. So I was, you know, I did not feel welcome there. But talking about that, talking about my auntie, her, her life, her importance in my life was so healing to me hmm. because I was sharing that with people who understood what I was feeling and and talking about. And um, that's what I want to have available to anyone else who needs that type of healing, uh, consoling, um, and and understanding. Victoria, could you describe what the Day of the Dead, the secular Day of the Dead event looks like when we're not all stuck at home with the pandemic? Like, how did you, was it in one location or were there multiple locations? And and what did what did people do exactly? Um, so we did have one in Los Angeles, which I didn't attend, um, but Margaret um, headed that one. It was a great event. And the ones, the ones that we had hosted here in, I'm in San Diego. Um, it was, it was great. It was a nice outdoor, almost like a reception type. Um, mm. We had like a buffet style. We had live music. Um, again, it's more of a family event, right? So we wanted to really incorporate that. The children were involved with face painting, which is another tradition for Day of the Dead. We had a pinata activity for the kids. We really wanted it to be a celebration rather than, you know, anything grieving or mourning. Um, So, yeah, in that respect, I think it was it was great. And of course, you know, I miss being outdoors with people (laughs) and having events. But I'm I'm hoping that the Zoom, um, the Zoom event will be great. One of the positives, unfortunately, that we've had in this situation, but one of the positives is that, as Margaret was noting, we can have more people join. We have Flash of Sagan coming, or I'm sorry, not coming, but (laughs) uh, joining through Zoom with a video, um, John Huertas, and it's really opened it up to a lot of more, to a lot more people, rather than just people who can drive to San Diego, you know, for a few hours. And maybe they'll pick it up after experiencing it and, and do it in their community next year. Brian, that's what we, uh, when we started this, we really wanted it to branch out to other communities. Um, It is hard to do an event, especially when there's, you know, just a handful of people who are doing all of the hard work. Um, But now with Zoom, I'm sure like, you know, I'm sure like many other groups that we're going to be sticking online, probably in the foreseeable future, 
Um, and I'm really hoping that other, the other communities see this and realize how important it is and how uplifting it can be. And they can just kind of take the reins to do it for their own, for their own community. In 2018, we held the event at a Los, a big Los Angeles uh, restaurant, uh, La Fonda, on oh. Wilshire Boulevard. Yeah, of course. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, and National Public Radio came out and covered the entire event, interviewed participants, and the segment can easily be found on their website under the heading of Angelinos Celebrate the First Secular Day of the Dead. Yeah, and then in 2019, we were so happy that not only did we celebrate in San Diego, we also learned later that Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia, and Madison, Wisconsin groups all held their own type of a Secular Day of the Dead event. So that's how things start, you know, it's it's uh, one kickoff somewhere, and then it starts to spread a little at first, and then... Um, I think it, this is, um, I mean, my sense is that the secular community is, we're a bunch of people that live in our heads a lot. We we like science, we like philosophy, we like history, we like reading and learning things. We invite people to lecture to us because we could, you know, we learn for a living, basically. That's what we love to do. Um, But to have something that really connects to uh, our our souls, if I can use that word, is probably not the best word, but like the, our hearts, our, our you know, emotions and our sense of uh, being human in a more, um, you know, less scientific and more humanistic kind of way, I, I think is a breath of fresh air for, for the secular community. It's something we can do with our bodies. We can, well, unfortunately on Zoom this year, probably not, but in general, it, it's something we can we can paint our faces, we can make crafts, we can play with the children. Um, and to me, this is really sorely needed in the secular community. Definitely, Ryan. I think especially um, the aspect of having like a family event. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I mean, I, I joined like the atheist movement, the secular community um, back in college, and it was great. Um, I think a lot of it was, it was hard to find people my age um, in the secular community. They were usually, you know, north of, I don't know, 40, 50. Um, and now that I have kids, I have this need and this desire to like, you know, not maybe not take them to a, to a conference with me, but do something with like-minded people, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm finding out I can reach a little bit here and there with different groups, um, you know, other atheist parents like me who want to do that. And I think this is good because it, it sets something in the calendar. It's something to look forward to um, year, hopefully year after year. Um Hopefully, it won't always be in Zoom. <laughs> yeah, let's um, hope. But it is so important. I think the secular community needs something like that. We need other events that aren't just, you know, going over a passage from a philosopher, you know, decades ago. Or right. we need something other than a science lecture. Those are all so amazing and they're great and they make our community stronger. But we really need more family events and something a bit more lightly um, just to keep the momentum going. Also, we have taken the time to create a Secular Day of the Dead toolkit, and we'd love to send it to anyone who would request it. Um, You know, you were talking about getting physical. Um, We always laugh when uh, at the towards the end of this event, uh, people 
move the chairs and they move the tables and they turn on music and they dance. Mm, that's <laughs> and amazing. It's, it's so fantastic. Um, we, we shocked the owners of the restaurant in 2019. Remember, Victoria? <laughs> right. Said, what are you doing? <laughs> We're just moving all the tables and all the chairs and turning on our music and dancing away. <laughs> but speaking of that, our international Secular Day of the Dead on November 1st, we're going to do something really unusual. We're going to offer prizes to the participants. And what we're, we're going to give prizes for is the best Secular Day of the Dead Zoom setting, the best face painting, the best face mask, the, and the, the, the best hair adornment. And the prizes are just going to be spectacular. Um, people will have a choice of prizes. It's just to encourage people to get involved. Oh, also, an overall um, Secular Day of the Dead themed clothing mm, will be mm-hmm. will be uh, awarded. Like a costume contest almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't do anything without a costume. I know. Contest. I was going to say, Margaret, you <laughs> love your costumes. That's for sure. Um, I My... Um, most this is might might sound funny, but my my deepest involvement with Dia de los Muertos is the celebration that happens every year at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I don't know mm-hmm. if either of you have had a chance to participate in that. Yes, my mother lives right down the street from there. She's ninety four years old, and mm. she lives just a few blocks away from from that location. Yeah, it was. You know, everything that we've been talking about that you've said, you know, it's celebratory, there's music, there's dancing, you know, Aztec dancers, people in other types of costumes dancing, um, the food vendors are everywhere, um, there's films playing in different parts, there's, um, you can walk through the mausoleum where there's artwork hanging, um, especially for that day, tons of artwork, mm-hmm. and then people decorate the graves um, Mm -hmm. that are there in the cemetery. I don't know who's allowed to decorate which graves. I'm sure it's not just a free for all, but um, you know, I, I, some famous people are buried there and um, they always get the Royal treatment of uh, grave decorations. It's, it's something if you're ever in Los Angeles or if you live here and you're here uh, on the, the first of November or whenever they might hold it on the weekend nearest. I don't, I don't remember quite how they hold it uh, in terms of their calendar, but it's definitely worth doing. It's so much fun, and you'll learn a lot, and the artwork is fantastic. That's so nice to hear, Ryan. I, I keep on seeing different events. I feel like I feel as though in the past maybe five or ten years, Day of the Dead has just blown up um, with people outside of the Hispanic community. Here in San Diego, um, we have a community called, or we have a, um, a neighborhood called Old Town, and it's basically one of the first towns that was here um, in Southern California. And they go all out for Day of the Dead. Um, it's a three-day celebration from Friday to Sunday, whatever um, weekend it, it comes closest to. And it's great. I see a lot of people from the Hispanic community, from the non-Hispanic community just come together. And it's really a sight to see. Unfortunately, we won't be going this year. Right. But it's it's so great to see those different events pop up. You know, that reminds yeah. me, I wanted to ask you about this issue. Um, you know, these days, I think all of us are pretty sensitive to appropriating other people's cultures, um, wanting to be respectful that, for example, someone like myself, I'm not Mexican. I'm not even Latinx of, of any kind that I'm aware of. Um, and, you know, how is it with um, the Hispanic community 
about you know non Latinos participating in in Day of the Dead. I, I get the sense that it's very a very welcoming thing, um, but is there a concern that people should have about cultural appropriation? Um, I mean, I am glad you asked about that because I have come across that question as well um, when we are putting together these events. Um, there's so much appropriation that we see nowadays, but I don't feel as though the secular Day of the Dead falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, as for non-Mexicans and non-Latinx people, I would really encourage them to engage in these in these celebrations. But of course, like anything that's cultural, you know, I'd ask, of course, to please give credit and recognize the space and the people, um, the community that these celebrations serve and represent. Yeah, um, that's good advice. Yeah, And I think like the meaning, yeah. I think the thing that, that always strikes me that distinguishes to me between appropriation and admiration or celebration is when the meaning is left out. You know, someone just takes something as a fashion of piece of fashion without recognizing that there's like a deep meaning there. And what you all are doing with the secular day of the dead is exactly that it's bringing the meaning um, into a culture in the United States, frankly, as we said before that, you know, doesn't really like to talk about, Dead, the dead, our, our loved ones who have died. We, we, we talk about it a little bit in hushed tones, maybe with our immediate family, but we don't go to parties to celebrate them with other people. You know, it's, it's a very different type of thing and something I think would be good. Well, creating the Secular Day of the Dead allowed us, and many other non-theists, a chance to enjoy what we like to think of as a cultural experience. Mm. Uh, you know, if, if you happen to be traveling in, in a Latin country on Dio de los Muertos, the entire community would welcome your participation, no matter your ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Participation is a sign of respect for the culture. And this is how we feel about offering a secular Dia de los Muertos to our fellow non-theists. We want everyone to participate as a sign of acceptance and appreciation. Yeah, that's that's the sense I've gotten from from other folks too in my community. They they um I don't know if it's this way with every cultural celebration, but with Dia de los Muertos it's definitely a sense of we welcome you. Um we all share this experience of having lost loved ones and um it's it's something that connects us all to each other, you know, we have that common sense of loss and um, the sadness around it and the memories that we hold dear. And um, right now, I think, especially in our political climate, we could probably all use to find some common ground with one another. <laughs> and maybe this is okay. um, something perfect for that. I mean, what what is the date of the um, of the uh, Secular Day of the Dead on, on your big Zoom uh, celebration this year? We're going to call it the International Secular Day of the Dead, because Mm. people have outreached to us from Puerto Rico, from Central America, South America, Mexico. And so uh, we uh, expanded our Zoom to to host up to 5,000 people. Wow. And we're going to uh, start the Zoom uh, on Sunday, November 1st. And let's give you the California time. It'll start at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay. And it starts off with 15 minutes of, of beautiful music brought to us by Juan Carlos, uh, who is uh, Victoria's uncle, Gary Stockdale, yeah. and Christina Jones. 
And then the program kicks off at noon Pacific Standard Time with a welcome by the actor John Huertos. So then we have our organizers introduce themselves and welcome people. And and our guest speaker will start at about 1230 Pacific Standard Time. And that will be Dan Barker. Oh, that's he's great. Going, yeah, he's going to be talking about his journey from evangelical preacher to atheist. And he spent a lot of time in Mexico. So the name of his speech is Adios, Adios. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I don't know why I've never heard of that before. That's very clever. <laughs> I know, right? It's yeah, very clever. I love it. I would like to also mention that um, if people would like to tune in and honor their pets. Hmm. Pets are a part of the family, and we want people to um, feel like they can talk about the life of their pet and what that pet meant to them. And one of the reasons I think it's important for people to know that they can talk about their pets is that pets are part of the family, and Religious people, um, if they're looking at their Bible, the Bible doesn't specifically declare what happens to animals after they die. And, uh, you know, Christians have differing answers to that, but we know that that's not relevant. Um, what's it relevant is that we, we love our animals uh, and we can feel free to honor them on the secular day of the dead. That's really beautiful. I, I already can think of people who would really appreciate that. Yeah, we're definitely going to have um, a couple little figurines from our pets um, up on my... I'm going to make an ofrenda. I make one every year. Mm. Ofrendas are basically just an offering table almost. You have uh, photos, candles. You sometimes leave uh, food out that the deceased person used to make or used to love. And we do... My children add um, a few little animals that that are no longer with us. Mm. Um, but they, they have a great time making their own friends. So I'm really looking forward to that this year too. And instead of calling uh, our tables, uh, a altar, we, we designate them as an honoring table. Uh, one right. year we had so many pictures, uh, from people who wanted to honor their, their dead loved ones. It was so beautiful because even Though people didn't want to actually talk, uh, they brought the picture just so they could look at it up there amongst flowers and decorations and other people's uh, pictures. I do remember a couple of people for our first um, for our first event in San Diego. They had they had told me they had planned on honoring their loved ones with you know a short three to five minute speech. But they just couldn't do it, Ryan. And they, they put their picture up there and they told me that they at least felt like they were kind of participating in honoring their loved ones. Um, I mean, sharing your story and, you know, honoring somebody isn't for everything. You know, I think grieving yeah. is uh, grief is a process. And if they feel like they can't share it um, up in front of, you know, 40, 50 people, then that's fine. But the, the honoring table is a good place just to personally, personally add your little touch to Day of the Dead. Yeah, it reminds me again of what we were saying before about art and um, mm -hmm. music being a part of our human experience. And words spoken isn't everything, like you said. You know, there's other ways to 
demonstrate that. And I can, you know, in, in my imagination, I, I can just see this table full of photos and what a beautiful, you know, um, collage of faces of people that were deeply loved in their life. And many people who put photographs up on the table, they would stand close by the to the table and and pick up the picture and show it to people who are also standing mm. nearby and and talk about their their dead loved one. It was a beautiful sight to see. Mm. Yeah, people connecting around that shared experience. Uh, I hope that um, that lots and lots of people all over the country and all over the world will will attend. Um, and 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 I think like what we said before, I think it would be so great, even if it was, you know, more humble when you get started, like a community somewhere um, in the Midwest. It might start off with two or three families um, just doing it with their with their families and and you know letting it grow from there. Um, it would be, I think, a really meaningful thing to incorporate into, you know, the secular community broadly. And I hope it I hope it uh, continues to grow. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's a it's a huge space, you know, for Latinos who are atheists. You know, both Margaret and I are Hispanic, um, and we really view this event as an opportunity for other Hispanics who are atheists to celebrate, you know, the culture and the heritage. I mean, I, for one, I'm sure many people Hispanic feel this way, but, um, you know, religion is such an important part of our identity as Hispanics, and it's ingrained in our cultural, in, in, our, in our traditions. So when we lose our religion, we might feel as though we're losing like such a monumental part of our culture and our traditions. Yeah. But Margaret and I just, you know, we're here to say that just because you've lost your religion, it, it doesn't mean that you have to stop celebrating your traditions and your holidays. That's something um, for me as a Latina, I, I really struggled with when I, when I lost my religion, I just felt like my quinceanera, you know, that aspect was kind of empty for me. Be a little muertos, that's empty for me. Um, and this was a nice reminder that even though we've lost our religion, we don't have to lose our traditions. Yeah, we're still human after all, right? And these yeah. <laughs> religions built these celebrations around our shared humanity. They just infused them with God talk. And um, I think we can still celebrate all the aspects of humanity, like coming of age and dying and getting married and all the things that we do as human beings and just uh, not include the the divinity and the, and the prayers and the spirituality and all the stuff that some of us have decided we don't believe in anymore. Right. If you're not theist, if you're theist, if you're Hispanic, if you're not Hispanic, and we're really, really looking forward to everyone having a good time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. I, and uh, you know, Margaret, you mentioned the toolkit a minute ago and I, I have looked through the toolkit and I can tell folks the, the artwork is beautiful and, one of my favorite things about Dia de los Muertos is the the beautiful, colorful artwork, and um, yeah, it's, it's just gorgeous. So, well done all the way around on all of the stuff that you both have created, and this really meaningful opportunity for people to reflect and um, on their on their humanity, on their own mortality, and and to remember uh, and celebrate the people that have gone before them and we've learned from that we carry in our memories. Well, thank you both so much for your time. It's been great to talk to you um, and uh, look forward to joining you on November 1st. Thank you so much for having us, Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you learned something today about Dia de los Muertos and about this event that you may not have heard of before. 
I want to encourage you to participate, to register for the event and participate. You can simply go to ftsociety.org and you will see there um, on the home page a lot of information at the very top of the page about Day of the Dead. And you can sign up for, uh, for the event and you'll see the schedule there and all the key speakers. It's going to be fantastic. And I hope to see you there. As always, I want to thank my generous supporters who contribute monthly to the production of this podcast. Thank you so much for your ongoing support and encouragement and financial support for the show. It really does make it possible to do this. If you've been listening to the show for a while and you've been thinking, you know, I should, I should become a supporter of the show, I, could, I should join the Patreon, uh, maybe now is the time to do that. You can go on over to patreon.com slash lifeaftergod and contribute any amount um, per month. You can even do a, an annual contribution, uh, sort of do it all at once in one single payment. Um, it's, it just goes a long ways, any amount at all, towards offsetting the expense of producing the show. My next episode is a conversation with Juam Navarro-Rivera, which I very much hope to get out just maybe a day or two before the election, in which we talk about some of the recent research that he's done about secular people and their political views, and we even get into some predictions about the outcome of the election. Hope you'll join us then. Until next time, my name is Ryan Bell, and this has been the Life After God podcast. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.